Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. Today, um, I'm going to do a message that's one of those messages, it's a little bit back to the basics, but I think it's such an, an important uh, thing to do as we're pursuing God. And I think we're experiencing, like Pastor Jana mentioned before she went into prayer, we're experiencing a move of God here uh, at Burning Hearts and, and in our lives. And we were talking about it earlier this week. It's just kind of amazing how it's been this gradual build of, of the Lord doing different things in people's lives. We have these healings that are occurring. We're hearing testimonies. Uh, I heard uh, from Ted this week, we were, we were talking about the rain at the beginning of the service, and some of his relatives just had an unexpected harvest. They, they had a, a great yield of grain that was, they thought they were going to be needing insurance, and, and it might turn out that they don't because of some of the fields that they harvested. And God, God is on the move. And we've been really deliberate in, in the things the Lord has been calling us do, to do to sustain a move of God. You know, we hear and we read about revival, and I like revival. It's a fun, it's a fun name, it's a fun word, but revival kind of has this connotation in it that it's like something that occurs, it comes in suddenly, it changes everything, and then they, they die out. But what, what I want here, and I believe our desire as a body is to have a move of God, a revival that's sustainable, we want revival to sustain in this house. We're, we want to have a 100-year plan of revival at Burning Hearts Church. And, uh, and the things that we've been doing, we, we just had uh, a series on, on worship. We called it House of Worship. And if you were with us last week, we did worship and prayer for the entire service. Not something that we normally do, but we were trying to uh, in our cells and in our bodies stir this desire for, for communing with the Lord in, in worship and prayer. And that's how we sustain revival. You might have heard uh, the, the, al- the allegory before between the, the priests in the Old Testament who, you know, they were, they were in the temple or in the tabernacle, depending on where you are in history, and there was a fire on the altar, and they had to keep the fire burning day and night. They had to keep feeding the fire, and we feed the fire through worship and prayer. And so that's why we're being so deliberate in, in talking about it. And so if you were here last Sunday, thank you so much for pressing in and, and going after worship and prayer. Thank you for the musicians that, that stood up here forever and had tired fingers and tired voices. But, but God honors the sacrifice of praise. He honors it. And I want to build on the, the worship series that we did and talk about another thing that, that helps to sustain revival, to sustain a move of God, and that is hunger. To grow a movement of God, we, we absolutely have to have hunger. And we have to have hunger in each of our lives individually. And that's what I want to talk about today is, is growing our hunger for God individually. And then when we come together corporately, God can't help but honor the hunger that he sees in a room. The Holy Spirit feeds on the hunger that he sees in the room. 
And so I want to challenge you, and I want to challenge myself to grow in my hunger and my pursuit of God. I want to read to you a quote. This is from A.W. Tozer. To have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but satis- or justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. I'll read that again. To have found God and to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. You know, the name of our church is, is Burning Hearts. And I think we're all children of the burning heart. And there's this paradox that A.W. Tozer is talking about with, with you know, we've met God. If you've, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you've met with him. But the paradox of our life is that we have to continue meeting with him. We have to continue daily seeking after him, trying to find him. And those who are clothed in, in religion are going to be, uh, they're going to they're gonna look on that and they're going to scorn you. They're not going to understand. Religion doesn't understand the relationship that we have with Jesus. And so I want to be a burning heart. I want to talk about that today. And I get to use an analogy that I'm really excited about. So it's August, end of August, August 29th. And uh, for those of you who are like me, I love to hunt. And it's almost hunting season. And I want to I want to bring an analogy to you about hunting and and the thrill of the pursuit of God. And if you don't enjoy hunting, that's okay. And you know, you can make up your own analogy as I'm talking. You can change it to a love relationship. I was talking to Pastor Chris uh, this last week, and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, maybe it could be shopping for the women, Wh- whatever it is, like the thrill of the pursuit. That's what I'm going to talk about today. And when I think about hunting, uh, if, you, if you're a hunter, there's these three main phases that occur uh, throughout the, the whole pursuit and the first one is, is scouting. And if you're a hunter, you know, this is where you spend almost all your time. Like, a lot of the hunting seasons are really short, but people that are really into hunting, it's like an all-year-round thing that's happening, and they're scouting. This is, and what I want to kind of highlight here in the scouting phase is this is where you find out everything you can possibly know about the animal you're pursuing. But before that, you need to have a confidence that you're actually able to achieve what you're setting out to do. And that's, it's the same with our our pursuit of God. And for us, that means we need to have an understanding of God that he wants to be pursued and that we can actually come to a place of knowing him like we know another person. Rhett was talking about that in in the offering this is the essence of faith. So, you know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And some translations call faith a substance. Like it, it carries something. It has, it has weight. That is faith. And most of us, probably all of us, haven't seen and can't see God with our natural eye. 
But the Bible tells us it's absolutely possible to know him. We have examples, you know, in Abraham, in James 2.23, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, righteousness, and he was called God's friend. In Exodus 33, we find that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And I think sometimes, hopefully you can capture this, sometimes I think we reduce faith to being sure of what God can do, what he can do for us, whether it's, whether it's healing, you know, moving the mountains like we were just talking about a little bit ago, but it's also being sure that we can meet with him and find him. I think that's the first reason that we have faith is so that we can actually believe that we can meet with God and then believe that he can do what he says he's going to do. In Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, and this, is, this was Moses speaking to the Israelites, but the same principle holds for us. Hebrews 13.8 says, you know, he's the same yesterday, t- today, and forever. So we, we can take this principle, and it says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So we need to find God. And if you're a, you're a hunter and you understand this, now that you, you've, you've settled in your heart like, okay, I can, I can do this, you spend your winters going out in the woods when it's easier to find, you know, trails. I, most of my reference is going to be to deer hunting, but you can do it for whatever. You find trails. You find these areas where, where the deer sleep. They're called bedding areas. You spend hours looking at overhead maps, uh, trying to figure out where animals might be. There's these things, if you're, if you're not a hunter, they're called trail cameras. Technology is amazing. So you can, you can go out where there's like paths and, and things and set these cameras on trees, and they, they get triggered when an animal walks by and take pictures. And there's even ones that are, are cell-enabled, and they'll send pictures to your phone of when something walks by. It's amazing. And, and there's these hunters, that, I don't do it so much myself, but that spend hours and hours looking over all these pictures, trying to see what's out there and when deer are moving and if it's in the morning or if it's in the evening or if, if it's this temperature or that temperature or this wind direction or that wind direction. It's kind of crazy. But what the, what the hunter is doing is trying to to figure out what the animal's behaviors are, what it loves to eat, where it sleeps, and there's this, this captivation of this animal. And I'm like that. Every time I see a deer, and it was kind of funny, you know, sermon illustrations. Yesterday, the Lord, you know, illustrated my sermon. Some, some deer walked into our yard, and I live out in the country, and every time I see a deer, I'm absolutely captivated by it. I could watch it f- for hours. And there was a, a mama doe and two fawns, and just watching how their tails flick and their, their ears move and how they eat, it's just, it, it just gets me every time. Um, Leah, my wife, can attest to how I've actually attuned myself to to look for these animals. I'll be driving down the road and say, oh, there's a deer, and it's like 
300 yards off the road and, you know, way out there in the field, but yet I can't find the ketchup in, in the refrigerator. <laughs> Let me tell you, our pursuit of God should be like this. We should pour over the word, trying to understand and know the ways of God. And so often we approach the Bible to figure out how we should live or figure out things about ourselves, but and, and it does those things, but but God is the, the or the word is God. <laughs> it says that in, in the beginning of John. We study the word to know him, to know his ways. We should pray and worship, wanting to know his heart and what he's doing in our life, in the lives of those around us, and in the nations. And, you know, we can, it, we can easily fall into a pattern of just doing it because we're, you know, supposed to do as Christians, but we are in pursuit of God. We are in pursuit of God. And our pursuit of God involves finding him in the word, knowing his ways, you know, knowing his, his rising and his sleeping, if we could know that, knowing what he loves, knowing what moves his heart. That is our desire as Christians. And that's, that is how we, we scout God, so to speak. The next phase of the pursuit is the wait. You know, after we, we, we get to know his ways, we get to know what he's doing, we can actually set ourselves up for an encounter with him. And I think that often involves waiting. There's a hunting tactic, it's called ambush, ambush hunting, which basically means, you know, you figure out where an animal is gonna be um, at a certain time, and you put your, yourself in position to have an encounter. Let's go to Psalm 25, starting in verse three. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your, your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day. And so there's this, this analogy in this, in this verse. Make me know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Just like we're, we're trying to find the paths. We're trying to find the ways that an animal is going to move. We're trying to find the ways of God. Teach me your paths. And, I, and we will wait for you, God. And that word wait in Hebrew is kavah. It means to tarry, but it also means to wait and ambush for. And there's also this, this definition of it that, that seeks for the primary idea in, in tying or binding. And we'll get to that in a little bit. And there's this, there's this anticipation that comes with, with the waiting with God. It's so often we think of, pa of, of waiting as this passive thing, like, okay, I'm waiting. But waiting is active. When you're hunting, I don't, if, if any of you are, have experienced this, and maybe you, know, you can put yourself in another analogy, all of your senses are switched on 
you're, you're hypersensitive and you're, you're hearing and you're seeing and, and maybe you're smelling. It's like every little squirrel that, that scurries up a tree, you're like, that could be it. Or, or, every, or every branch that you hear break or every, um, every sound of, of rustling leaves through the forest. It's like, this could be it. That's that anticipation and waiting. And I think we need to, we need to have that anticipation when we're, we're waiting for God. We, we wake up in, at ridiculous times in the morning and we freeze ourselves in anticipation of an encounter. And what if our pursuit, our waiting with God was like that? What if, what if we, we waited for God like we, the same the same uh, passion, the same zeal that we have for the pursuit of an animal, we have for a pursuit of God. And maybe, again, take, take the analogy that you like there. For me, it, it works. There's these, there's these benefits in waiting. Isaiah 40, you know, most of you know those, those who wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. So waiting renews our strength. Isaiah 64, 4 says, God acts on the behalf of those who wait on him. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. So God honors your waiting Proverbs 8.34 tells us that we'll receive life and favor by listening to God, listening to wisdom, and by waiting. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. These are the promises that we have in the waiting. And waiting is an, an opportunity for us to build perseverance. Think about Anna. If you guys know the, the stories of Anna and, and Simeon, it's in Luke chapter 2. Anna never left the temple, fasting and praying, waiting for her encounter with the living God. So she, she waited in the temple because the Lord spoke to her that, that she would see Jesus there. The same with Simeon. He had been given a promise from the Holy Spirit, and he waited until his moment of encounter. And they've waited a long time. And I think, you know, practically, waiting doesn't mean just going through your life, trusting God that he's going to do what he says. You know, it, it does mean that, but that's that, kind of passive waiting. There's an, there's an active waiting that we need to have in our lives. It means that we're to build in times in our day where we wait before the Lord. And for me, I was talking about it with Pastor Jana this morning. For me, I wait for the Lord in my car. I joked with her that I have the most expensive secret place. Uh, I have a, a 45 minute or so, 50 minute commute each way. Uh, and that's like, five or six times a week. And the Lord has been teaching me over the past several years of, of having that commute to make that, that, that time a place of waiting for him. And lately, I can't even turn my radio on. I, I drive in silence. And, and I wait on the Lord. 
and he meets me there. We need to build in time. We need to build in time to wait on the Lord. Jesus modeled this for us in Matthew 14. So you, you know the story of when he walked on the water. He was, he was uh, you know, speaking to the crowd, and then he withdrew to meet with the Father on a mountainside before that encounter with the disciples when he walked on the water. He modeled the waiting for us. And we need to build in a time of waiting. And we're gonna pray, we'll pray over that at the end. But after the time of waiting, you know, we talked about Simeon. When, when he saw Jesus, the Holy Spirit told him, you know, go to the outer court. And, and Jesus and his parents were walking through. And when Jesus, or when Simeon saw that, he took full advantage of the encounter that he had with Jesus. And he, you know, he spoke a, uh, a prophetic word over Jesus, and he was, he was so excited. Like, he, he, that was the moment of his encounter. And that's our third phase is, is the actual encounter. And, and for me, this is so exciting. I don't know if you've experienced it, whatever it might be, but you're, you're, you do a lot of waiting sometimes, and all of a sudden this, this animal walks by, and it doesn't matter where it is or if it's big or small. Whatever it is, it's the coolest thing ever to see an animal in its environment and to, to have figured it out, figured out where it was gonna be, and put yourself in position to have an encounter with it. And I don't know if you've experienced it before, but it's like, it's like your heart starts pounding and you feel tingly up and down your body. And, and sometimes your, your knees start shaking or, or whatever it might be. And can you imagine what it was like if, we, if our encounter with God was the same way? And sometimes it is. Uh, it, it's, you know, that, that, that picture kind of uh, brings me to some of this, the stories of encounters in the Bible of like, you know, how people were quaking in fear and all those, those sorts of things. Like that, that is what an encounter is like. But when you have an encounter, even in this moment of, of anticipation, everything, you know, uh, your, your heart just pounding, it, it's time to take full advantage of that encounter. You need to seize that moment. If, if you're a hunter, you've spent hundreds of hours probably for this one moment, and it can pass you by. But you need to apprehend it. And I think our, our walk with God is just like that. There are stories of God who, you know, he sovereignly encounters people, but sometimes there's this history of, of being with God, of seeking him, of pursuing him, before the encounter. And I want to look at the example of Jacob for a few minutes. Let's go to Genesis 32. Starting in verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. 
So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have contended with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you asked my name? And he blessed him there. So I don't know if, if everyone knows the story of Jacob, Jacob before that, but he was you know, the, the younger brother, uh, Ishmael, and he was the deceiver. You know, he, he did these things. He, he stole his brother's blessing. Um, you know, he was, he was maybe not the greatest guy to start with. But a little bit before this, uh, there's, a, there's a verse that says, when, when Jacob was going to meet Ishmael again after all this time, and he was afraid of what Ishmael was going to do to him, he actually humbled himself before the Lord. And I, I think that's a, a key, is that we need to have humility going into a, an encounter. And then if we go to Isaiah, Hosea 12, this passage, starting in verse 3, gives us a little bit more context for that encounter that Jacob had with the Lord. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his mature strength, he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and implored his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. And the Lord, the God of armies, the Lord is his name. And we can see from that passage in Hosea that, that Jacob was, he was waiting on the Lord. It says he wept and implored his favor. We get this, this picture of him, you know, seeking the Lord and, and praying and, 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 and wanting him to come. And what's more is the Bible said that it was in his mature strength that he contended with God. And it's interesting, it's like this, Sometimes we, this idea of contending with God is like, well, we can't contend with God. He's, he's God. <laughs> and that's true. But in this moment of encounter, we have an opportunity where sometimes we need to apprehend what he wants to give to us. This, this contending, like Jacob took full advantage of that encounter. He contended with God and received a blessing and his name was changed and became the father of a nation. He became Israel, God's chosen people, because of that encounter. He contended with God, and he apprehended what God had for him in that, in that moment. Laura, if you're, there you are, if you want to come up and play. I think God wants to grow us in our maturity and be like Jacob, and help us to understand what's available to us when we encounter him. And how do we grow in that maturity? How do we realize that? How do we have an understanding of that? I think the answer to that is that we encounter him more. I believe an encounter with God is available to us at any moment. At any moment. Do you believe that? We can encounter God at any moment. And it might not look like Jacob's encounter where we're wrestling with this like angel of God, but we can encounter him. We can step in and, and, and meet with him. It might be like feeling his presence 
Like I said, when you're in the car, it might be the dream that you get in the middle of the night. It might be when you're walking your, your dog, you hear his voice, or when you're playing with, with your, your children and God teaches you something by the way that you interact with your child. Those are all encounters with God, and every encounter should give you a hunger uh, for a pursuit for more encounters. <laughs> it should be addicting. He's designed us to encounter him. And just like the, the hunting pursuit I've been describing, it's just like, it's the most thrilling, exciting, and fun thing we can do on this earth is encounter the living God. And I think we need to, to get that excitement back. We need to get an excitement back. We need to get the thrill of the pursuit of the Holy One back in our lives. And when we do that, he's gonna, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's gonna encounter us. And the better thing is that God, the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, want to encounter us even more than we could ever want to encounter him. He's thrilled to be pursuing you just as we should be thrilled to pursue him. We have a promise in James 4, 8 that says as we come near or as we draw near to God, he's going to draw near to us. God is after you. He wants all of you. He wants your whole life he studied you. He knows all of your ways. He knows where you rise. He knows where you lie down. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows all your mistakes, but he knows all your gifts. He's waiting for you, and he wants an encounter with you. Do you believe that? All right. Would everyone stand up? Before we go into prayer over a few things, I just feel the Lord prompting me on, on a couple of things. Uh, the first one, Kyle and Emily, I just feel like the Lord has an encouragement for you. I don't, I guess I've only met you maybe once or twice, but um, as I was praying before or during worship, Kyle, I just felt, I just heard, I just heard the word finance over your life and I don't know what that means, but I just feel like the Lord has given you a gift for managing finance. Like he's given you this, this stewardship in your life. And, and I feel like it's for missions. Like the Lord wants you to give into missions, but he's also, I know, you, I think you guys have a heart for it, but he, he has this, heart, this calling for missions on you and Emily. And I feel like he's going to make so apparent when the season comes for that to happen. 
And in the meantime, he's, he's building finance. And that finance might be sowing into others that are doing missions or might be sowing to what's to come for you guys in the future. But he, he loves your heart for missions. And I see this as you guys come together, there's this ministry of compassion that's over your lives. Like you carry such a compassionate heart for the Lord and for others and for the hurting and the broken. So Father, I just bless that. I bless Kyle and Emily. Father, I just pray that you, that you, uh, you speak to them so clearly. Lord, and that you just enlarge their heart even more. There's so much compassion there, but God, I pray that it's enlarged and that you, that you implant their, your heart in them, God. And I thank you that together, they, they are so powerful. God, and I just bless their family. I bless their, their marriage, and I bless the ministry that you have for them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, some words of knowledge I wanted to share. Uh, it was pretty neat. I, I'm going to call you out, Jason. La- last week, Jason had a word of knowledge about teeth, and it was, it was kind of interesting. And he felt like the Lord had uh, showed him teeth like three different times uh, during worship. And it was really neat. I prayed with him twice for for different people that had issues with their teeth. And then he had left and another person came up. So I prayed for three different people that, that had teeth issues. And it's just amazing. I just say that like, it's amazing how the Lord works. And a, and a word of knowledge is just something that the Lord gives. It's a gift.